0: Good morning john ray how are you today it is a beautiful uh, morning it's brisk i enjoy it i love this kind of weather not when it's raining and windy but when it's just cool or cold and there's no wind no rain that's nice what do you like about it uh that i'm not sweating whenever i'm outside and it's if there is humidity it's not like a hot humidity I had a friend of mine who's not from, or, you know, not really from here. He said, Louisiana humidity is like taking a hot shower with all your clothes on and then going about your day.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: So no humidity or this type of weather I I really enjoy. The summer is just tough. It's tough.
1: So what are we talking about today?
0: Well, today we had, uh, this past week we, uh, I had the pleasure of talking to our adult Confirmation, our RCIA uh, candidates for this upcoming uh, year, and I talked to I talked to them about confession, or the sacrament of penance, and I tried to kind of give an overall, general direction of it and of the sacraments, and then I kind of honed in on confession, and then what I think a lot of people have questions about in regards to the sacrament of confession, and then in my homily I, I gave kind of a pitch. For that talk series that we brought up last time, that I'm doing uh, during Lent, and then also um, I kind of used the similar image in my homily that I used in my talk for confession, uh, and the image was kind of uh, called a stained glass window. Mm. So, what can we talk about? I would actually really love to talk about um, sacred art and and architecture in general, and then hone in. Uh, in regards to the Sacrament of Penance. How about that?
1: I'm just following your lead. I'm
0: here for the ride. That's uh, the roller coaster ride. People don't listen to this podcast to listen to me. <laughs> no, that's uh, the one thing that I experienced whenever I first joined seminary. I got to go to Rome. I got to go to Italy because my pastor, Father Tom Voris, was taking a pilgrimage to Rome and he had so many people come that they actually gave him a free ticket. And what did he do with that free ticket? He actually gave it to me. I could not believe it. I just started seminary. I was 18 years old. Um, and when he called me and he told me, hey, I want you to come, I legitimately thought he was joking. I, in no way, shape, or form did I think he was serious. Were you pranked often as a kid? I, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had a house full of guys, you know. But Sure. Uh, you know, I'm, to, <clears throat> so you're telling me I get to go to Rome? I, I get to fly for free for 10 days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Just let me know. And so, and then like a few weeks later, he, he called me again and, and told me, Hey, look, the orientation meetings this day, if you can make it. And then I was like, hold up, you were being serious. And he said, yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't believe it. I really could. And, uh, and so I ended up going and that's when I experienced sacred art and sacred architecture. And these are things that I've Never seen before in my life, never even had a clue existed. And so when I went, I was just absolutely taken aback. Mm. I was, I was breathless at a lot of these different things, these places, um, these churches. It's incredible. If you've, and there's nothing like experiencing it. It's going to sound super kind of like highbrow and, or like, you know, you hear that before, but walking inside the Vatican, and seeing this uh, is, is, is n- not the same at all as seeing a picture of it or really any of these uh, buildings. And in the United States, we don't have stuff like that. Sure. Because we're not old enough. Yeah. Uh, we're still a, a fairly new country. And so when I went, I was just, I, did, I had no idea what I was w- looking at. Um, I, all I saw was beauty and like incredible, incredible beauty. And then that's whenever I fell in love with beauty, uh, and and really what man can create with his hands. Mm-hmm. It's and it's still something I reflect on today, and it's why I've fostered a true love and devotion and uh, studied in regards to sacred art and architecture. The, uh, there's plenty of writings on saint, from saints on how a Catholic church should be built. And I mean, I mean, they give the square footage of it. Right? Oh, wow. Uh, uh, St. Charles Borromeo, I think, was the most intense of it. I mean, he, <laughs> he gave it to where, okay, if you plan on fitting this amount of people in here, okay, well, then these are the exact measurements for everything. The sacristy, the uh, sanctuary, uh, the, the pew size, everything. I mean, his is pretty intense. Wow. And it's, and like how what many- What was important about that? Um, Well, St. Charles Borromeo was uh, kind of a a very unique figure. All of the saints are, right? But he was unique in the sense that he had a doctorate in everything. (laughs) He had a doctorate in biblical theology and spiritual theology, historical theology, canon law, and architecture, and artwork, and like all these things he had a doctorate in. He was essentially a genius. Um, And a doctorate was much harder to get back then than it is now. Okay, and And that's saying something. Because it's not easy to get now, um, and so one of the things that he wrote was how to build a church, and and it's he used he pulled from really every sphere, and that's why I consider it. I, I don't know, um, I have no authority to say this, but I'm saying it anyway. Uh, I consider his work in regards to how a church to be built as a, like a primary source. Mm. It's uh it's pretty. It's, and look, there's other works similar to, like that throughout history. Uh, but he, him being so knowledgeable, I, I consider it to be kind of like a, a, one of the primary sources for sure. And so, and so I started studying in regards to architecture and artwork because there's so much symbolism and there's so much meaning behind it. Because as Catholics, we believe that creation <laughs> is good and that the human person is good intrinsically right now sin can muddy that up um but the thing creation is good it's not an evil god created it and so we use that to give glory to god and whenever it's done well it's beautiful it it even looks like a piece of heaven is here mm. which is the idea right and so i studied sacred art and architecture. I, again, like on my own, right? So in my personal study, I, I really I really tried to hone in on that. And one of my phases throughout seminary and um, the different uh, ways that churches were built and, and the different methods that were used. And, and of course, with artwork, how they used artwork in these different buildings and everything like that. Um, and like, for instance, we'll, we'll take a common example here at uh, St. Pius, right? So I'm sure everyone is familiar with the sacred architecture here at St. Pius, in regards to, okay, let's take the whole building as an example. The whole building is a, a cruciform shape, right? So the, the, actually, the building itself speaks of the glory of God because it's in the shape of a crucifix, right? You look at it from the sky, the arms, the nave of mm-hmm. Mary and St. Joseph is a crucifix form, right? The baldacchino that we have, uh, and the, the baldacchino is that big structure in the sanctuary where it's the four pillars and it's over the tabernacle. Well, the baldacchino represents the descent of the Holy Spirit, um, at, uh, the Epiclesis during the mass, when the priest puts his hands over the, the chalice and the bread before he consecrates it, the baldacchino. When the
1: altar server rings the bell before consecration, at least when they're supposed to.
0: Yes. 100%. <laughs>
1: Every now and then father has a minor flinch and um,
0: <laughs> I don't know. they'll
1: prematurely ring it.
0: Uh, and so whenever that uh, the baldacchino represents the Holy Spirit coming down, and that's taken from the Old Testament as well. Um, and that's why you'll see a lot of these baldacchinos, right? Like the one in Rome or the one at, okay, uh, the one in Abbeville, it actually has the uh, image of the Holy Spirit descending down on the inside of it, mm. right? Ours at the roof, we don't have our roof anymore for the uh, baldacchino. It got, uh, it got lost uh, somewhere.
1: And so it was a um, paper mache. Yeah. It fell apart when they yeah disassembled it from Saint Michael's Church.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and so um and so the, the and the the cruciform, the baldicino, even like the um the baptismal fonts, right? So baptismal fonts were built in different shapes and sizes throughout history representing different things, right? So like an octagon, right? The eighth day, the eighth uh kind of eternity, right? And I'm uh and I'm born in essentially into eternity or the eternal life, the divine life and baptism. Um, And so I I really started to kind of, and one thing that really interested me was uh, stained glass windows. One, because they're absolutely gorgeous. If you say like, I think probably the best stained glass windows we have in our diocese is um, at Our Lady of the Assumption in Franklin. And I think we talked about that one time that um, whenever the diocese of Lafayette was founded, right, St. Martin de Tours and uh, St. Martinville was the first parish, but whenever they were first kind of forming our diocese, they thought either Opelousas or Franklin was going to be the central hub, not Lafayette, mm-hmm. right? Franklin because of the railroad and then uh, Opelousas, I forget why. And so that's why you- Because
1: if- Opelousas is actually south central Louisiana.
0: Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and that's why if you go to these towns and you go inside their churches, it kind of looks ridiculous, like the churches and that ridiculous in a very good way, because like you go in there and it's like, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. This is probably the most beautiful church I've seen in our diocese. Uh, You could easily have that impression, especially the one in Franklin. Uh, It's actually the one in Franklin's built after St. John Lateran in Rome. Like the ceiling, um, beautiful, all marble, and the uh, sanctuary, beautiful, and then the stained glass windows. I think they imported them from from Germany or Italy, hmm. um, and they're they're beautiful stained glass windows. Well, anyway, I was kind of studying, uh, looking into the stained glass windows, how they're built, and the different methods that use for them, and uh, and images that can be, and the different ways that they can be portrayed. Um, And the different theological concepts, depending on the shape, and and of course the images, huh? And so, but then one of the more generic, or kind of the overarching um, themes with stained glass windows is that it kind of it, in an overarching sense, it represents the human soul. That a stained glass window represents the human soul, God's creation. Um, the, the person. It could mean a few different things. And that's why in Catholic churches, we have windows and stained glass windows. And in other denominations, they, they believe that creation is essentially evil or bad, right? That material things lead us to sin. And so therefore, material things are bad. That's why they don't have windows, because they try to keep the material outside and what's inside uh, is what counts, mm. right? And that's their theological concepts. the as Catholics, we don't believe that. Like Martin Luther, that, the one that started the Pro- Protestant Reformation and what Lutheranism uh, falls underneath. In the Middle Ages, Martin Luther, uh, he struggled with scrupulosity uh, big time. And the way that he dealt with that was that he said, well, look, the human person, uh, he, he wrote something, and I'll use the the PG, PG maybe PG-13 version. He said that the human person is a pile of uh, dung. Um, there we go. <laughs> and the human we'll leave pers- it there for the yeah, we'll kids leave it listening. There. Uh, the human person is a pile of dung. God's grace is snow on top of that. Right? But essentially, the human person through and through is bad because we're material. We have material mm. with us. Um, and that's how Martin Luther's, resolved his own scrupulosity is that, okay, no matter what we do, we're all evil anyway. And so the only thing that could save us is God's grace. And therefore that's just snow on top of the pile of dung that I am. And so, uh, goodbye scrupulosity because it doesn't matter anyway. Well, in the Catholic faith, we don't believe that in the Catholic faith. We believe that the human person is made in the image and likeness of God, that the human person is good and beautiful and holy. Right now, original sin has damaged that. And so we would we would say that the human person is a pile of snow. And when we sin, we put dung on top of that. Mm. But the pile of snow is still there. Because we're created in the image and likeness of God.
1: That analogy breaks down pretty fo- pretty quickly. Okay. Well, I mean... W- okay, we'll just yeah. keep it going. Yeah.
0: Uh, and so... With that, with that understanding, with the stained glass window. The stained glass window, if it's one of the, the ideas behind it is the human person, that whenever I allow Christ to shine, then I become this beautiful image. What I was always created to be. Sin disrupts that. It puts, um, it's like throwing mud on the window. And so as venial sin, I'm sprinkling mud on there. You know, it's not pretty, especially a beautiful stained glass window. You want to keep it clean.
1: It's like a rat tail when you're mud riding, huh? Like, you know, the big, the big rooster tail of mud that's coming behind you? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: There you go. <laughs> and, then, you know, that's a good idea. And you, you, you're kind of, uh, you're putting that window behind that. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's catching all that mud, and that's venial sin. Well, eventually, and this is theologically correct, uh, if you don't correct your venial sin, it will lead you to mortal sin, right? If you don't keep a check on that. Uh, and so if you put enough mud on there, well, then now it's completely covered, and that's mortal sin. Mortal sin, it's no longer I'm throwing mud on there. It's now I've just dunked the whole thing in mud because uh, mortal means I'm dead. It's uh,
1: like mud cakes. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I'm
0: no, that's <laughs> that's good.
1: Thinking like a kid.
0: Uh, And so that with mortal sin, I, I'm now no longer living the divine life because I'm essentially dead in the, in the spiritual life. That's why it's called mortal. I, I'm dead. Um, the theological virtue of faith still exists within me unless I've committed a mortal sin against faith. And then, of course, hope still lives within me uh, unless I've committed uh, a mortal sin against hope but then the theological virtue of love and charity, the divine love is dead within me, right? What, what peop, most people consider love and what the church, scripture, and God, the church think about love, the, that theological virtue that comes from God and is ordered toward God no longer lives within me. Mm. And so whenever I commit a mortal mm. sin, I've now dunked my entire uh, stained glass window in mud the mud cake. Uh, what do we do about that? Well, my- We get a
1: good pressure washer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. uh, My, my snow is now covered in mud. I want to remove that. How do we do that? Uh, when you, when you, when you have a heart attack, what do you do? You go to the ER. You don't, uh, go to Dairy Queen. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you can't even eat because you're, you're dying. You're dead. And so you, whenever you have a heart attack, you go, you immediately go to the ER Unless you're like me. Uh, I don't know if we ever told that story about how I had to go to the ER when I had that pericarditis and I I didn't do it. Uh, Mm -mm. Oh, man. Our listeners are... I'll leave you on that cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Your priest was not... He didn't do the smartest thing. So, anyway... I
1: mean, you are from Scott.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, um, whenever you have, uh, you know, this spiritual heart attack, you need to go to the spiritual ER which is Eucharist and reconciliation. Right. i go to confession. I remove that mud from my window. And then now I receive the Eucharist and I'm, I'm, I'm given food and strength to fight against, uh, my, my concupiscence, which is my tendency, uh, towards sin. That's a $10 word. Drop that at a party and you, uh, you impress everyone. Yeah. So or confuse that, them. And so that's kind of the analogy with that. Um, with sin, I'm throwing mud on my window. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's venial sin, I'm kind of like splattering it on it. But if I don't check that, then uh, I'm going to have committed another mortal sin. That's that near occasion of sin. Sure. Right? I'm not, I'm not avoiding those near occasions of sin. I keep playing with the fire Well, hey, look, you're going to get burned. And uh, don't be surprised when you do. And so that's, what, and that's why you can go to confession even without mortal sin. Right, Mother Teresa of Calcutta went to confession every week. Well, she wasn't com- uh, confessing mortal sins. Uh, she was confessing venial sins or imperfections, right? And, and because she wanted to be uh, clean. She wanted a stained glass window to shine brightly. And, and, and Mother Angelica, she'd say, I go to confession every week. I don't want to be answerable to God for more than a week of my life. <laughs> so, uh, I uh, like Mother Teresa
1: used to go daily, huh?
0: Uh, that was St. John Paul II. Okay. St. John Paul II went, from what my understanding, every day or geography. every other day. Uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, she went every week. Okay. Um, now, how often should people go to confession? Well, you know, I- I've heard different things from different theologians and, and saints, right? Like Padre Pio says, uh, go once a week. Even a clean room needs to be dusted. Now, that's Padre Pio. I've heard other you know say 2 to uh 2 weeks, 3 weeks. I generally tell people at least once a month. I mm-hmm. will leave that to them. Huh? At least once a month or or anytime you commit a mortal sin.
1: And the church says that you must go once a year. Yes.
0: Now the church says once a year, uh preferably during the Easter time. Mm-hmm. Now that is the church making sure that Correct. we're doing
1: the bare minimum. Yes,
0: the bare minimum. Like, I, I give the example. Uh, think of your, your mama when you were growing up. and she? Made
1: you eat the two green
0: beans? Well, she had. Uh, she had. Uh, you know, she took pictures once a year, uh, or at Christmas time, or Easter time. She wanted the whole family to take a family picture so she could send it to everyone. Right, so everyone brushed their teeth, combed their hair, got a haircut, combed, took a shower, boys. Uh, you know, and got dressed real nice, everyone matched, and then they, they all took a picture. Huh? Well, that's Holy Mother Church trying to get all of her kids nice, squeaky clean, uh, so that we can all take a picture at the resurrection, mm. right? And she, uh, Mother Church wants all her kids looking nice uh, for our picture at the resurrection or during Easter time, and then that's her. That's her saying, look, at the very bare minimum, you got to take a shower once a year. <laughs> you got you to gotta come take this picture.
1: I like my green bean analogy better. But What's I mean, your we, green bean analogy? Cause you got to
0: eat two green beans. I don't know what that means. Well,
1: your mama never had you sit there and you didn't want to eat your vegetables. I and, have never
0: and, had a problem with eating. Okay. yeah. Well, my
1: kids, <laughs> occasionally, we got to tell them, hey, look, unless you eat those two pieces of broccoli, you're not getting up from the table. Got to have two bites. It's the bare minimum. Mm. We're trying to keep you healthy here.
0: Yeah. So that's, uh, and that was kind of with confession. Um, the image, especially with sacred architecture, uh, and that, and and you see that's how it's so beautiful. How our faith uses different things to help teach the faith, because and that's what and essentially that's sacred architecture in general. That for so long, uh, nobody, uh, reading was is a new phenomenon for for the average person. But for the longest time, the only people that knew how to read and write were the, high, the upper class, those educated, and which was not everyone, right? The average person in the pew could not read and write. I mean, that was all the way, that's way past through the Middle Ages, huh? the French Revolution even. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what did they do to teach the faith whenever nobody could read and write, especially in the early church? Well, they pointed, they built beautiful churches and they pointed at it and they said, okay, this is what we believe. Right, and so if they had a stained glass window, they could point at that stained glass window and talk about that image, and then also describe, in a general way, what what we just talked about, huh? That we are stained glass window, and if I if I live this divine life and I allow Christ to shine through me, I could finally become what I'm, what I was always created to be, a beautiful image made in His likeness. Uh, but through sin, uh, we can cloud that up, and so. We go to the Catholic ER, reconciliation, go to the Eucharist, and we, and we bounce back. We get strengthened for that. Um, and so that's, I just, I really enjoy sacred architecture. And, I, and I'm not saying I know a lot about it, or well, definitely that I can do it. Uh, but it, once you encounter that beauty, you'll you just learn to love it and appreciate it. And uh, so I'm always advocating, you know, people that have an artistic uh, bone in their body, you know, to kind of cultivate that especially like in regards to sacred music. So we have an altar server here that's kind of learning how to play the organ. And, uh, and every now and then they say, father, can I go instead of serving? Can I do that? I say, well, you go, you go sit with Kevin, our organist during mass. And you do that instead of altar servant, because that's a true gift from God, uh, to be able to be that talented because he is talented. And I say, you go do that. And that's how you'll serve God. You go learn how to play the organ. And then you'll serve God the rest of your life like that. Mm. And uh, that could, so without going on too many tangents, that's, there we go.
1: So to kind of wrap it up and I guess bring it to a close, I just love the image that, you know, the stained glass window is supposed to let the light in and it's also supposed to show and reveal beauty, Mm. right? (laughs) Which is what we're supposed to do. Like through our baptism, we become the light of the world, right? And it's not our light, it's Christ's light. And the stain, the mud of sin, this stops us from being who we're supposed to be. If the stained glass window is supposed to reveal beauty and let in light, well, sin in our life muddies up that window and we can't do what we're supposed to do, reveal beauty and let the light of Christ shine through us, right? So the importance of confession, that pressure washer and cleaning the window so that we can then do again what we were created to do. And our life is restored. We're no longer
0: dead. Yeah. Right? And that's why I, I advocate, you know, at least once a month, right? You do what you can in regards to your schedule. But if you commit a mortal sin, you go that day. Yeah. You, or you go that week at least. You got to get that out.
1: Well, and to continue the mud analogy, right? A buddy of mine used to always say, you get a little, you wash your, your, your truck, right? And it's nice and shiny, right? and you go through a little water, or you know, on the road or whatever, and it, it's okay, right? But if you go too long, your truck's going to become dirty and it's just easy to go mud riding, right?
0: Mm, that is a really good analogy. So keep the truck clean. I never right. wash my truck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: wasn't going to say it. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a really good analogy, though. That's,
1: uh... So if you're listening to this and it's been a while since you've been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation... We offer the sacrament. We make the sacrament available 30 minutes before every mass, Monday through Friday. So we have mass at 6 a.m. So we start confessions at 5.30. At 5.30. And then we have mass at 12.05. So we start at 11.30. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on Saturdays from
0: 7 to 7.30 a.m. And from 3 to 4.30 p.m. on Saturdays.
1: And then on Saturdays, we also typically have two priests here. Yes. Right? Um, and if that schedule doesn't work from you, for you, um, I mean, look, there are other churches in Lafayette. There's actually offer,
0: 18 Catholic churches that offer confession every single day. Um,
1: and, and if none of those schedules work for you, then feel free to reach out to Father and schedule yeah. some time with him. I know he'd be happy to sit with you.
0: Absolutely. And
1: if you don't remember what to do, that's okay, too. He'll walk you through it.
0: Easy peasy, lemon squeezy.
1: This is a great episode. Stained glass windows and sin. Who knew the two were connected? A little bit, a little mud on the wall.
0: It's all, it's all, it's all. Everyone's related to everyone, huh? Uh, You go back far far enough. So everything's connected if you're able to make enough dots.
1: Sure. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to share it with a friend, like us, and follow us on your podcast listener of choice. We look forward to seeing you all this weekend at Mass. Until then, God bless. God bless.